Welcome to episode four of Living in Recovery, a podcast devoted to sharing the stories of fellow CPP employees who are living in recovery with an addiction. The focus of this podcast is to share the experiences of those who have struggled with alcohol or drugs in the hopes of breaking the stigma that's often associated with addiction. Also, the goal of this podcast is to stimulate hope amongst those who may be struggling but are discouraged or intimidated by the prospect of seeking help. As a disclaimer, the words expressed in this podcast are based on personal experiences alone and are not meant to be taken as medical advice or to promote one method of treatment. Today, Gabe shares his recovery experience with us and how he has come to terms with his addiction. Now, Gabe discusses what works for him in his approach to recovery. So, when did you first know that there was a problem? You know, this might sound kind of uh, insane, but I realized, you know, out of all the years, the 10 years of my problem, I didn't identify it till, you know, back February 2020 on my last moment of defeat. Pretty much I was met at a crossroads at that moment. And that's when it took, you know, for me to realize there was a problem and pretty much I saw, you know, my life and future just coming down and it came down pretty quick and never to realize all the years prior to that, that I had a problem with my addiction with alcohol. That's, that's pretty insane. And, and, and what we learn about ourselves and uh, our recovery is that we live, you know, in, in a life of insanity and, and sometimes we won't see it. it. It'll come to the point where, where I was brought to. And it's pretty scary, but I'm, I'm still here. You know, it was going to take me to the bitter end and, and it didn't. And, you know, something up there gave me a chance, you know, like I said, I was mad at a crossroads and, you know, I, I, I finally told myself, you got a problem, Gabe. And, Talking about bitter end is pretty much whether I choose living life to the bitter end or, or, or choose this new way of living, living in recovery. Had you come to that crossroads before? Maybe I had, and I, and I, and I didn't realize it. And, you know, that's, I mentioned that, that that's pretty scary. And for, you know, what this disease does and allows us not to see that it, it causes us to, to forget those moments, no matter how, you know, tragic they are. You know, the next day we wake up and we're still breathing, still moving. We live with, let's not worry about yesterday, but I can, you know, I got a solution to, you know, suppress the worries and guilt of what I did yesterday and years prior to that. And, and, and yeah, that, that's, that's scary, you know, to know. So I was never able, it never crossed my mind for me to sit down and, and say, at moments that I had a problem that, you know, any day I can die or, or I can lose everything and everybody in my life. What do you think was different this time around? This time I mentioned it took me over 10 years. I, I was pretty much in a state of mind that I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, I sat down and, uh, for me to have the thoughts of, you know, my existence didn't matter anymore. And seeing that I was pretty much hopeless, that, you know, 
those moments and I sat down and, and, and reflected back on this journey of my addiction, something happened inside that, you know, allowed me to think a little bit more clear about my life and if I was worth living. So I, I pretty much surrendered in that moment and I was given an opportunity to seek help. And, you know, of course I wasn't looking for it, but pretty much the ladder was lowered down to me. And, you know, I put my hands on it and started to climb up. I didn't want to be down anymore in this self-defeat. When you say you had a chance to seek help, what did that look like for you? It was pretty much, I saw my future that there was going to be no future. I, I did see me, my life coming to nearly death. Finally, I had the fear of, of death bark in my mind. And, you know, it, it's somehow I found the willingness to, to actually, you know, go all the way through with it with the help that, you know, I needed that was going to be provided. And so I don't want to say I had no choice, but this choice that I had, I was finally willing and ready to make that choice. And again, like I said, I, I was pretty much just sick and tired of being sick and tired of the way I was living. What did treatment look like for you when you went to treatment? What, what was your experience? When I first arrived there, I had a little sense of happiness that I was doing something right for myself. But then after a day of, of being there, so many emotions started to run through me. And, and I want to say emotions of, and thoughts of shame, fear, embarrassment. But, you know, then it took a couple of days for those thoughts to start to, you know, wear off. I started to realize that I do belong here in this treatment center because pretty much I started to reflect back on in my life and my journey of my addiction uh, with alcohol. And, and so, you know, it was, those emotions were pretty heavy and weighing me down, worrying about what others are going to think about me. They found out where I was at. But being in rooms with others, when I, when I started to realize I'm in the rooms with others, are sharing the pain together, the pain and, and, and struggles and experiences we all pretty much had, and that I wasn't alone. And it was all sorts of walks of life in there. So that's the first time I've ever that's the first time I've ever experienced that. So I started to feel more relief and knowing that I was doing something right for myself and I was in the right direction. Had you been to treatment before that time? I have been in, in a detox center several times, um, which I thought was a, a treatment center. It was a five to seven day treatment process. And so it was pretty much to just medicate you and, and detox you from, you know, some of the substance that was in your body, which I had alcohol, a little bit of counseling, but, you know, with all the medication that's given to you there. You're, you're not clear-minded, so you're not, and you know, seven days is, is not enough to abandon the place on you and, and send you home. And how long was your stay this last time? It was 30 days. When you went to the treatment center, were you concerned at all how that would impact your work? Yes, I was very concerned. The reason why I say that is, you know, there is this big stigma in our agency, in the law enforcement community. That is that. If you seek help, you know, 
you lose your job, you get fired. You got a problem, you got a mental problem. And we are, you know, we, we are held to a higher standard, you know, carrying a gun and badge. And therefore, if you do have that problem, you can't work here. And, you know, it tends to manipulate you to believe the stigma that, that if, if you do seek help, you will get fired. So yes, there was, there was fear uh, behind that. And when you left treatment, what happened with work afterwards? What was your experience following treatment of going back to your life before treatment? When I returned to work, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, I went in there with a lot of shame and, and embarrassment and worried about what others were going to think and I might lose my job. But if it was, it, it was totally, you know, my experience returning back was not what I expected, you know, by my thinking. You know, I was more clear-minded. I wanted people to know that I went and sought help. I wanted people to know the experiences that I experienced while I was there. And of course, my management coworkers, I was ready for whoever asked where I was at. I was going to let them know where I was and, and what I just did for myself. And so it, it went in there from being in a negative state of mind to a positive when I came out and I... I actually had no worries returning back to work or the the thoughts that I was going to get fired. And so I got back and I did have moments and conversations with agents. You know, I can tell they wanted to ask me where I was at or, and, and I shared with them, you know, where I was and, and just the reactions that they had, you know, was a reaction that I never would imagine I would get in a positive way and the, and the feedback. And so with my management as well, I sat down and, you know, they had that sincere feedback of being proud of what I did. And of course, I was very proud for the first time in my life. So many years of myself of making this, this bold move and, and a move that I needed to make to, to save my life as well. What do you think your biggest challenge to recovery is now? It sounds kind of weird, but I don't see a challenge. I think the biggest challenge for me before my recovery was actually to be completely honest with myself that I was powerless over my alcohol addiction. But what I do make sure is, if you want to call it a challenge or not, is to make sure that I do what I need to do to not allow that person that I used to be back into this life. My thinking and the insanity that I used to hold and, and live with for so many years and to assure myself that that doesn't happen. That is to make sure that the foundation that I built with my recovery program, that it stays firm. And, and that's, that's every day for me for the rest of my life. I got to make sure I stay vigilant and mindful and to never let my guard down. You know, I live my, my life 24 hours a day, one day at a time. And I got to respect the fact that this disease of alcoholism is very powerful. And with self-will, I cannot continue in, in my life of recovery. And, you know, because pretty much I was a self-run will riot. And I got to remind myself every day that I am a recovered alcoholic. And all it takes is that one thought and one drink that'll take me back to that person that I used to be of self-destruction and living in a dark place. What does recovery look like for you today? You mentioned 
being mindful and reminding yourself of being a recovering alcoholic? Are there practices you engage in? Are there particular things that you know that work best for you? Since my recovery started, for the first time in my life, I've experienced peace, serenity, and freedom. And what I do to continue to have those experiences in my new way of living and recovery is, you know, I call it a daily maintenance. I have a recovery program and that entails of attending meetings, AA meetings, as much as, as I can, the opportunities that I get, staying connected with others who are struggling, helping others as well who are struggling from the same disease. You know, I do have a sponsor and I'm also a sponsor and I'm very involved now after learning about myself and personal growth and the mental health side as well. I have literature that I read daily and I'm always, you know, I found that I have this willingness now to continue to grow in my recovery and continue to grow to be a better person. And that is even a better person than I was yesterday. And so, you know, I see it as I want to give back to others what was given to me freely. I want to help others who are suffering, who are in line behind me. Uh, because I was once there at a certain point where I didn't know what I didn't know. And because of somebody being referred to me by my peers that I never knew existed, especially in this field, in this agency, if it wasn't for them to connect me with these individuals, I don't think I would be sitting here speaking to you guys and learning that they were also in recovery, them existing. They're the ones who guided me, who, who shared their experience, strength, and hope. And that I was attracted to. That attracted me. And I wanted what they had. And now it, it pretty much, it works the same way. When I speak, I've given opportunities to speak at treatment centers, AA meetings, on Zoom, in person, at church, celebrate recovery programs and classes. You know, you notice the reactions. And when I see the reactions of individuals when I'm speaking, and sharing my experience, strength, and hope, it's its a reaction that, wow, how did you get there? I want that, what you have. Like they've never heard somebody speak the language that that I am speaking. You know, it's like I'm speaking their language. And, and I was once there. And that's what happened to me with these two individuals that I was referred to connect with uh, that are, you know, with Customs and Border Protection and Border Patrol. But this was just over the phone. And, you know, my journey started off after the exposure of, of those conversations. It went from there. So, you know, I know they find it as there's this sense of not just comfort, but it's rewarding when you see somebody wanting to follow your footsteps to seek help that are very sincere about it and willing to help themselves. And that strengthens my recovery as well. It plays a big part in my recovery as well. It empowers me, it motivates me, and it drives me with a passion to continue to live the way I'm living now and to help others and, and always open and ready to help another person who's struggling and, and suffering like the way I did in the past. If somebody in this organization was to come to you today and, and say, how do I get help? I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. What would you say to them? 
I would let them know that there is hope out there and that we do recover. That there's not just myself, but others as well that can advocate to the truth of that, that we do recover. There is a better way of living. And at the end of the tunnel, there is a light there. You know, the individuals that I'm connected with, that's just maybe a little small group of us. Or from what I've seen and experienced that are nationwide, even worldwide, have advocated to the truth of that as well and sharing their experience, strength, and hope. And what that does for me, it just reminds me every day that every day there's people out there who are suffering from this addiction, alcoholism, and that are finding hope as well, that your life does matter. Is there anything that you think would be helpful for somebody that might be listening to here? December 24th, Christmas Eve, this past December, I experienced losing a best friend of mine, a coworker, and my friend was suffering from this disease as well. And I found that every day that, you know, I had a duty also that, you know, as part of my recovery to help him uh, and, and to lead by example and, and to let him know that there was, that there is hope and we can recover, you know, experiencing that loss of him, it did bring some sense of sadness. But it also brought that reminder that how powerful this disease is and where it can take you. If you don't find it within yourself, if you don't find the willingness and the honesty that you do have a problem, it can take you to the bitter end. And pretty much he saw hope very far away. You know, I tell people this experience, losing my friend, I saw it coming, but I was praying every day for a miracle that it wouldn't come. These experiences, tragedies need to be talked about, need to be shared about, especially that experience that I had. So people are aware of what it can do, how quick it could take somebody's life. I, I've never lost hope in recovery because of it, or did I have anger or held a resentment towards life or even God? It was nobody's fault, but, you know, it did bring a strong sense of passion in me to continue to do what I do and to help others out there as well. And what I've learned in my recovery was a principle of acceptance. And I had to accept for me also to allow to go through the grieving process and healing process. And I've never able understood acceptance before my recovery. And that's, like I said, that's, that's a big principle that helped me and you know, continue and move forward in my life since this lost. And so I want to say that if you see somebody struggling, say something, approach them. That one act of whether concern, kindness to them can spark that individual faster than we expect. You might feel that somebody else is already trying to help and he doesn't want the help or he don't want to be bothered, but you'll be surprised the reaction when you do actually approach this person and and just ask him a simple question, are you okay? Because I've experienced it before. I find it myself now that through his experience that it's something that many of us can't control, but it's what we can provide to them. Show them that you care, that you're concerned and that their life does matter. And if it has to be every day, you know, it's okay. You know, you got to reach out to this person every day and check on them. It's okay because others might not be doing that. And so... 
there was a, some thoughts of a survival's guilt that sparked in me. But, but then again, my acceptance is what helped me turn away from that survival's guilt. Myself and others did the best that we could. And, and it was just, it was out of our hands. You know, I held my friend's hand. I said at his funeral that I held his hand as we were climbing up a high mountain because I was getting to that mountain, you know, towards the top and I was getting tired and he was falling behind. And I told him that I held it as tight as I could, as long as I could to try to save him because he was falling behind. And what happened was something up there, you know, what we call our higher power came to save him because he saw I couldn't. And it wasn't that he gave up. It's just in that moment, he surrendered. And in that moment, when I realized that, that he came to save him, I found the acceptance. I was able to accept, you know, he was struggling. And because many of us had tried to do what we could, we couldn't accomplish that mission. Somebody else did and, uh, and took over from there. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Living in Recovery. If you or someone you know needs help, reach out to the Employee Assistance Program to reach a licensed professional counselor at 1-800-755-7002. For additional resources related to the Substance and Alcohol Misuse Prevention Program, please visit the CBP Wellness and Resilience Programs page at CBPNet. You can also send questions directly to CBP Resiliency at cbp.dhs.com. Dot com.